Thank you for tuning in to the Crossover Podcast. We hope this message inspires you and grows your faith. To learn more about Crossover, visit our website at crossovernorman.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Crossover Norman. Enjoy the message. Hey, if you would turn with me to James chapter 2. We are continuing our series in James chapter 2. Hey, listen, I know that some of y'all, like, like financially, like, you're broke. <laughs> All right, let's just be honest, right? And you don't have a Bible, I would love to, I would love to get you a Bible. So, if you want a Bible and you don't have funds to afford one, like, I would love to get you a Bible. So please come and talk to me. Or if you know of a friend that needs one, please come and talk to me. I would love to gift them a Bible. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. James chapter 2, verse 14. And it says this. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith, but he does not have works? Can that fruit save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for their body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works." You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by our works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not Rahab the prostitute justified by works? And when she received the messengers and sent them out another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, also is faith apart from works is dead. Man, what a, fo- what a great football game on Saturday night. Come on, Boomer. Right? Come on now. I had, to, I had to put that in there because I feel like we're on a good roll here. Like, I announce it, and then they win, right? So I was like, don't win by too much. Y'all did it. Again, okay, thank you. It was great. You didn't win by too, too much. Um, you know, great thing we had a good kicker that I still don't know how to pronounce his last name, all right? But this is great. Awesome, wonderful. I was listening to the radio after the game and noticed that our quarterback was um, catching a little heat, you know, just a little heat from, I think it's his birthday today, so happy birthday, Spencer, if you're out there, right? <laughs> but I was sitting there, and I was actually getting pretty upset because some 60-year-old with no football experience talks to, about a 20-year-old D1 athlete who has spent their whole life playing football, you know what I mean? And this guy... And I'm like, sorry, sir, like, what does your resume look like? Are you like a D1 collegiate quarterback back in the day? Or like, are you a D1 coach or an NFL coach that you can give like this person some information on? Like, those are the only two things on your resume to be able to have the correct opinion over this matter. You know why? Because only by what they have done gives them any credibility to what they have to say. 
And here's my question for us students today. How many of us have any credibility on what we can say about Jesus today? Like, does our resume, especially over the last six months, give us any credibility to be able to speak on and for and on the behalf of Jesus Christ? Now, I want to be very clear here. Like, I want to be very clear on what James is not saying here because I think it's been misinterpreted many times and I want you to be sure that you hear what I'm going to say about what James is saying is simply this. What James is not saying is, by your works you are saved. He's not saying that. He's not saying, he's not going against all the gospel. He's, he's not going to go against what Paul says. He's not going to go against what Jesus says. He's not saying that your works is what save you. He's saying that your faith is what saves you, but your faith that saves you should produce works. And then he gives a warning that even the demons who know Christ is when what's sad is that they know who Christ is, they know what Christ has done, they deal with Christ daily basis, daily battling the spiritual forces, they know who he is, the mighty power of Christ yet they are not saved. And as Spurgeon says, he says, they are stern believers, but they are not saved. And such a faith, if it be in us, will not, cannot save us. But it will remain in all intents and purposes as dead and operative faith. See, it's only by a faith which produces works which saves us. The works do not save us, but a faith which does not produce works is a faith that will only deceive and cannot lead us into heaven. So students, does our faith produce works in our life that show our faith? One pastor puts it this way, you show me what you do and I will show you how big or little your faith is. James says, show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. So students, can I just get a little personally here? I had a wake-up call about my sophomore year of college when I had a friend who had a little girlfriend for about a year, and she broke his little heart and broke up with him, right? His last name was Wimpy, so I mean, it is kind of... That is a sad last name. I'm sorry, sorry brother. <laughs> but anyways, he, um, he spent about two or three days in his dorm room, like wouldn't open the door, like, like was sad. Like you could hear him crying in his pillow from the hallway. Like I felt for my boy, right? Like I felt, I felt for him. Anyways, I finally was able to get into his dorm room and I sat down and like it was intense as soon as I, as soon as I sat down. Like he was not willing to have and I was like, hey, dude, listen, like, here's this. And like, you know, you, there's, oh, there's more fish in the sea, right? Like, you're good, bro. You're a good looking dude, all right? Last name, eh. Like, but um, I was like, man, I feel for you. And then he like, he gets angry a little bit. And then I was like, you know what? Like, you just need to give it to Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And I Bible juke him. I'm like flipping out scripture, like telling him everything. And let me tell you what happened. Wimpy didn't get wimpy anymore. He actually got angry, and he actually gets right in my face. I remember this 
uh, so clearly. He is, he is mad. He is pointing in my face, and he says this. He goes, why are you trying to teach me about Jesus when you don't even do the things that you say? Cool, right? And he spent the next five minutes telling me my resume over the previous year and a half that he knew me and how my faith was not what I was living. And he was showing me and telling me, you do this, you do this, you do this. Why are you trying to tell me to live for Jesus when you don't even live for Jesus? A couple of people that I want to talk to tonight. A couple of people that I want to talk to. The first person that I want to talk to is those of you who are, like, we're going to be real tonight. You're going to be real with yourself. You're going to be real with Jesus. But two people I want to talk to. First type of person is a person that's trying to do good. You keep on trying to do good, but it seems like when you're trying to do good, like, you keep on sinning and you keep on, like, living a life that you know that you don't want to live, but you're stuck in this way of life and you don't know how to break out of it. Like, I want to talk to that type of person tonight, and I want you to evaluate really, 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 honestly, I want, to, want you to evaluate, like, have I surrendered my full life to Christ? I want you to maybe walk in that tonight and really, like, inspect your soul, inspect yourself, and see if that's something that you have done. And I don't want you to deceive yourself. James is very big on, like, let's not be deceived. Like, the biggest thing that the devil could hold you from is your salvation, all right? The, the biggest blinders that he can put in front of you, the biggest thing that he wants to do is to keep non-believers non-believers, okay? Let us not be deceived. The second type of person that I'm going to talk to tonight is the typical college student that I have witnessed to the last 15 years of ministry. It's time to grow up. Can I say that to you? Like, can, can I be honest? No one else in this world is going to be honest with you. Like, like, it's time to grow up. This is sophomore year, Brent Russell. I wish somebody would have sat across the table from me and say, hey, Brent, it's, it's time to grow up, and it's time to be the person that I know deep down, secretly, that you want to be. Like, like, you know what you want to be. It's time to be it. I know how you want to strive. It's time to strive for it. I know who you want to be in Christ, and it's time is now, listen, the world isn't going to wait on you. All, all the dominoes aren't going to be correct. All the cards aren't going to play evenly. Listen, the time is now for you to rise up and to be the generation that loves God and loves others. Here's my question for you. For those of you who are maybe evaluating some things in your life. How has the way that you've been doing life been going for you? How has the last six months of your life, of your relationship with Jesus, how has it been going for you? Be honest with yourself. Like, does it bring you joy? Does it bring you strength? Does it bring you confidence in Jesus? Or if you're like the old me, I was walking in shame. Like, Wimpy just pointed that out. I was, I was down, I was floating in and out of depression, I was stressed, and my actions did not meet my faith. Students, I know a lot of you, you have that same question in your back of your head that I always had is, what would my life look like if I did just start living for Christ like I know that I want to? What would my life look like if I start, just surrendered everything and I just gave him everything? Listen, students, like 
darkness and light can never coexist. Like, your life might be going through hell right now because your heart is telling you, hey, you know what, you're saved, you're a child of God, but your actions are living like you're not. And darkness and light can never coexist, and there will always be this inward battle if your actions and your faith never line up. Only when your actions reflect your faith will true joy ever be brought to your life. So tonight is the night that I believe that James is trying to get to the bottom of a lot of things, and he's saying, your works prove your faith, and your faith forms your work. So today is, it's a rainy day. Thank y'all. Y'all are super holy for being here. All right. Amen. Hallelujah. Pat yourself on your back. Love you guys. Right. Tonight I want to look at some works that I believe that are fruitful for Christians. I could, I could point out 20 of these things, but I want to point out just two fruitful works that I believe that we as Christians right now in our day and age, these are the two fruitful works that I, I needed to surrender to when I was your age more than anything, that it can help us grow and to be more like Christ. The first work I think that we should do is repentance. I'm going to give you four verses, and I want you to listen and maybe write them down. And it simply says this. It's Acts 3.19. It says this. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins might be wiped away, that times of refreshing might come from the Lord. 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he's just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Proverbs 28, 13. Whoever conceals their sin does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. And last but not least is Matthew 3, 8. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. A pastor says, faith and repentance are born in a spiritual life together. And as they grow up together, the moment a man believes, he repents. And while he believes, he both believes and repents. And until he shall have done with faith, he will not have done without repenting. Students, I need to flip a switch in many of your heads because I had to flip a switch in my own head when I was starting to seek Christ and seek how to grow and mature in my, my faith is that repentance is a good thing. And it's a good thing, and it's not a bad thing. It's not a weak thing. It's something that will help you. It won't hurt you. It's something that we get to do, and it's something that we have to do. Welcome. Thank you. Welcome to the Bible, right? That's pretty clear. But I'm telling you that you will see something in your life that will grow. About a year ago, we had a birthday party for my two-year-old um, Son, River Jude, he's got hair flow for days, best looking dude ever, right? I'm like, Lord, just don't let that kid go bald like me, all right? It'll crush his soul. Don't laugh, come on. <laughs> but uh, birthday party, the day of the birthday party, Caroline's like, you need to get these flower beds looking great. Now, I hired a couple of you college kids to come and help me. Some of them have graduated and ran as far as they would away from me after this day. But um, we had about eight hours of work uh, crammed into about two hours of work. And 
So the first job I had them do was like, I was like, okay, over here, I want you to start pulling weeds, and then we're going to get the weed barrier, we'll put it down, we'll put the mulch down, and then we'll put the, the plants there, all right? And they're like, okay, we got this, right? They start pulling weeds, and I'm like looking at the clock, it takes 30 minutes, and they're only like four feet. I was like, oh man, this is like, A, we got too many weeds, because I haven't ever weeded a flower bed, all right? And I was like, okay, this isn't, this isn't going to work. Like, people are coming in an hour and a half. we got to get these things done. And I was like, you know what? This is a weed barrier, right? This makes sense. Let's lay it over the weeds and put the mulch on top of it, right? i got a master's of divinity. Like, I know this. And so they did that. And I'm telling you, that day, Carolyn walks out, it's like, this is perfect. I was like, yeah, it is. These kids are awesome. They did a great job. Party's like, man, y'all's flower beds look amazing. And I was like, yeah, they do, right? They sure do. A week goes by, and I walk out, and it's not a weed barrier. I swear it's a weed grower. Like, it's just false advertisement. Those weeds outsmarted me, and they actually grew through the weed barrier. I don't know how it's possible. But they grow through the weed barrier, and it's like my weeds were like two feet, ha- two feet tall like the next week. Like, and all you could see was like the weeds. You couldn't even see the flowers that we had planted. I look at that flower bed, and I was like, my goodness, this looks horrible. And this is what's crazy, though, is that if you looked at the side bed that they spent about 30 minutes on, pulling all the roots and making sure that it looked as good as possible, what you notice is it still looked like a brand new flower bed. But if you looked at the, at, the, at the weeds that they just covered up, those were the weeds that were looking horrible and made the flower bed look bad. Students, this is how our life is without sin. With sin, sorry. This is what our life is with sin. Because if you take your time and you get one-on-one with Jesus, and you are still before God and you fall on your knees or, or you pray to Jesus. You could be on, like, in your closet. You could be just on your bed. You could be driving out to Lake Thunderbird and you're just having time, to, time with Jesus. You could be just walking to class. But you are having a divine appointment with God and you are talking with him. And he is, he is working with you. He is walking with you at that time. And you say, you know what, Jesus? Like, I just need to give you some things right now. Like, 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 Lord, like, I, I struggled this past couple weeks, and, and let me, I want to confess some sins to you, Lord, I did this, and, and I was, I had a weak moment here, and, and Lord, I've done this, I've, I've doubted you at this time, Lord, I, I lied to these people at this time, I've, I've cheated, I've done something wrong that I am ashamed of, Lord, I need to give you these things, because I don't want to hide these things from you, but I want to have a life that honors you. Lord, will you forgive me? The Bible says that he will, for, he will toss it as far as the east is from the west, and he will forgive you. And when you do this, and you truly lay it down, here's the hard part, is it says in Acts is that you need to lay it down, and you turn around, and you need to quit it. You need to walk away from it. See, that's uprooting that sin in your life. That's being the child of God that you want to be. But... If you're like me, when I was doing this, I did a couple things when I was your age. Is 
I would either do like the half-hearted, like, Lord, forgive me. Like, I was just more of like just ashamed of what I had done. And I just kind of like, like half-hearted, Lord, just forgive me, right? Like just walking in shame, Lord, forgive me. But or the other thing that I would do is usually what I would do as the, the more that I sinned is I would say, you know what, Lord? I wouldn't even talk to him about the sin. And I would just try to put as much time in between me and that sin as possible. I would try to let time heal it. Students, I was using time like a weed barrier, hoping that it would kill the weed of sin in my life when really I was just covering it up for a time. Listen, students, here's a side note, is that if you don't repent and uproot the sin in your life, that sin will not die. Not only will it not die, what I've learned many times, even in my own flower bed, is simply this, is that it will multiply. And sin is like weeds in your garden, is that you're not going to, if you forget to pick one seed, it's actually going to multiply to other, other sins. And this is why I'm not wrong. How many of us, we've had that, like, you know what, come to Jesus moment, maybe it could have been at camp, and you had, you were walking high with Jesus, you were, you were reading your word, you're praying, you're, you're digesting, you're journaling, right, you're taking your Instagram pictures with your Bible and your coffee cup, that, that makes you extra holy, right, like, like you're getting tattoos on your thighs because that's the cool thing to do now, like, I don't know why I said that, okay. <laughs> but then what happens? You do that one little sin and you're not repentant about it and you keep on doing that sin and then what happens? Three weeks later, you're, you're, you're multiplying your sins and then you're multiplying your sins and as soon as you know it, you're like, man, where was I at? Like, where am I at now? That How come I can't be where I was two months ago? What has changed? Well, what has changed is you still have sin that is multiplying in your life. Some of us right now, our works don't match our faith because you have allowed something else to be the master of your life. It's time for us to repent of our sins and leave them at the feet of Jesus. You need to turn around and walk away from them. You need to quit sinning when you know that you are sinning against God. You're only taking away from yourself. And I'm telling you right now, the more you do it, it's gonna be the best thing that you can possibly do. A question that I want to ask for you is, what is the one thing that you know right now that you need to repent from? What is the one thing right now that you need to repent from? And why haven't you? Like, why don't you evaluate this week, like, what is something that I'm holding on to that I am not repenting from and I'm not turning to and I'm not stopping and why am I not giving that up? How come we're not giving up the doubt that, that God can take care of you? How come we're not taking away that sexual sin that we know that always destroys us, it never helps us? Maybe it's something shameful, maybe it's cheating, maybe it's laziness. Why do you continually do the same sin over and over? You ready for this? You will find out that the very sin that you will not give up is the very sin that you think you need in order to be happy. And it's not going to be easy to uproot that sin because at some point after repentance, you're going to have to have faith in Jesus can fill whatever hole that you're taking that sin out of. 
And students, I beg you and I promise you that he won't only fill that hole, he will overfill that void and that hole in your life if you have trust in him. And this is what happens when you grow in repentance and, and, and when you're ready to stop, is what happens is that you stop playing defense from sin and you start playing on the offense from your salvation. The more that you continually walk with Christ and you are repentant, you stop playing defense from your sin and you start playing offense from your salvation because you start seeing sin that's trying to uproot your faith faith in Jesus, and there's no way that that sin could ever fill the void that Jesus is feeling in your life, and you're going to shoot it down. So you start seeing snares that the devil is lying in front of you, trying to entice you. He's, you're just going to see the lures of sin in your face, but this is what happens when you start repenting, and you start walking with Jesus, and you start working in and through your salvation, and loving Jesus, and, and growing with him, and him growing in you. This is what happens, is that lure doesn't look as enticing anymore because it looks like a worm on a hook when you've been eating steak for the last six months with Jesus, right? He's been feeding you. He's been blessing you. He's been walking with you. He's been lifting you up, encouraging you, building you stronger and more faithful than ever. And when sin comes down and tries to rip that away from you, you don't have to fight from that sin anymore, but you're fighting from your salvation. Repentance, students, it's not a weakness. It's a weapon that we need to start using daily. Second work after repentance is work of obedience. When we trust Jesus with our lives, we're accepting Jesus as the master of our life. 1 John 5.3 says this, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For if you love God, keeping his commandments will not be a burden. Anybody like diets? Anybody been on a diet before? Okay, three of you. All right. The rest of you are like, what's a diet? I got metabolism, right? Well, just rub it in my face, why don't you, right? My goodness. Listen, like, I remember when my metabolism was fading, right? I was about 25, 26, and metabolism fought a good fight, right, guys? I mean, when you eat Whataburger, like breakfast, lunch, and dinner, like, it kind of, I mean, that's a strong fight it's got to hold. But I remember, I, I, no lie, when I thought that my dryer was broken. I thought my dryer was broken because all of my clothes were shrinking, I'm not joking, this is not a preacher like myth. I called my mother and I was like, well, I think I'm gonna have to buy a new like, dryer because all my shirts are shrinking. My mom is very honest with me. She goes, well, Brant, my mom's kind of a country bumpkin. Brant, I saw you at Christmas and your father and I were talking. <laughs> You're just fat, right? Like. <laughs> Like, like not holding anything back. Like, thanks, Mom, right? Wasn't my clothes were shrinking, is that I was growing. But I still got my boo thing over there. Come on now. <laughs> See, a diet is formed 
for you to eat and to exercise in order to get a desired look that you want. You calculate whatever you eat, every calorie you work on, certain muscles to get the desired look that you want. Some people diet and exercise just to be able to feel the right way. So they sleep right, they eat right, they exercise right in order to feel right. They do everything with singular purpose to get the desired look that they want. See, what you will find out with dieting is it's changing the system in your life that has gotten you to the place where you don't want to be, and it's changing that system for one purpose, to get you to the place where you want to be. Students, some of us in here, in order for us to be the person of Jesus Christ that deep down I know that you want to be, you're going to have to go on a spiritual diet. And the reason why we are not who we want to be in Jesus is because we need to take the unnecessary sins and situations in our life and we need to take them away from our life and walk towards our desired goal. The problem of why I am overweight and why I have been overweight for the last couple years isn't because I eat too much healthy food. It's because I like the chocolate cake. I like the Thai Thai, right? I like the Chinese food, right? I love Chinese food. So if you want to go, come on. But see, obedience in Christ doesn't work that way. Obedience in Christ is having one goal that carries through everything that you do. 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says, whatever you eat, whatever you drink, or whatever you do, do all of this for the glory of God. Oh, students, how much would this campus be impacted for Jesus if we did all things for the glory of God? What would your life look like if you did all things for the glory of God, like every single morning? Seriously, you woke up every single morning, and on your bathroom mirror, you said, today I'm gonna live for all things for the glory of God. Many of us, I know this without a shadow of doubt because I counsel many people weekly. Many of us need to start in here. We need to start thinking the way of how to be glorifying God with our thoughts. You don't need to be tearing yourself down with your, your, your thoughts. You're not bringing glory to God with your thoughts. You need to think, you know what? I am a child of the king. I am made in his own image. He, I was worthy. I was, I was loved enough that he came and he died for me. That must mean I'm something special. And you know what? I want to live from that. We also don't need to tear down other people in our thoughts. We don't always have to give someone a second like, like, we don't always have to tear them down. We don't always have to question them. We don't always have to, like, build, you know, build ourselves up over them and tear them down. Like, we have to build them up with the glory of God. Listen, like, side note here is, like, how are we doing that with people right now? Like, like I want to challenge you. Like, how do you think about people? Like, do you see them the way that God sees them? Or, like, are you always in this fight with them? Are we praying for them? You know, my question is, is if God answered all your prayers from the past two weeks, who else's life would change? See, you bring glory to God when you pray for others, when you pray for your enemies, when you pray for your friends. See, you never once saw Paul pray for himself, even when he was in prison. We can even be selfish with our prayers. What about school? Man, the devil can bring us 
down many ways, but I have seen him use school as a big tool for many of you. What if you lived a disciplined life and you did school for the glory of God? What if you made time for it? What if you worked at it? What if you studied the right way? What if you, you know what, you did everything, you studied the right way, and then you prayed, God, you know what, God used everything that I just did, and let's do it for your glory. Help me on this exam. Help me do this. Help me be the best student that I possibly can. It'll absolutely take this weight of worry off of your life and put it on God. Students, what do you have to lose if you started living for God's glory? Some of you, you know what you would lose? You'd lose some shame in your life. You might lose some guilt in your life. You might lose some laziness. You might lose some worry. You might lose some anxiety. Anybody need to lose some anxiety right now? Come on. There's those three people again. Maybe you'll lose some selfishness from caring about others rather than caring about yourself. I don't know what you would lose, but is it worth it for what you would gain? What would you gain in doing all things for God's glory? You'd gain a closer relationship with Jesus, a better and more meaningful relationship with others, a direction in your life that is not defined by your job or your grades, it's defined by your relationship with Jesus. Maybe you would have a little bit more pride and confidence in who you are because you know whose you are in Jesus. Obedience is done when you make bringing God glory a non-negotiable in your life. What areas of your life right now are you making God a non-negotiable? And what areas in your life are you making it a negotiable? Students, this is where I teetered in college. This is where I teetered more than anything. This was my downfall in college is I left bringing God glory in all things as negotiable. And if I can be honest with you, I was miserable in college. College was not the greatest experience for me. Because I didn't fit in anywhere. I, I really didn't. Like, like, I know that some of y'all are, are, are clicking with me here. Like, like, I was saved, but I was sinning. And I was sinning in such a way where like, it, like my sinning just didn't seem to please me as well as sinning pleased others. And then I tried to like go like connect with like the good Christian people that didn't sin the way that I sinned. And like, I just felt guilty and I felt ashamed and I didn't feel like I was holy enough. Like I was a tweener. Like I wasn't bad enough for some and I wasn't holy enough for others. And let me tell you what I found out is over the last, I guess, I don't know how many years, couple years, whatever, since college. It's been like three years since I was out of college, guys. And what I found out is no amount of sin ever brought me the amount of joy that I feel with Jesus. And when I was at the bottom and I was making the God innegotiable, and I finally brought it in and I repented of my sins and I started daily pulling those roots of sin out of my life and I started walking with Jesus day by day, and I started living every moment for the glory of God, no matter if I was cleaning the toilets at work to even talking to somebody that I even hated myself. It's something that I had to work on. It's something that I, you know, I was like 
God, transform my heart not to hate this person. Let me bring you glory through my conversations with them. And each day, listen, I beg you, please learn from my mistakes and don't waste time not doing this and not making God a a non-negotiable. It will save you years of struggle. Students, please, if you are struggling like I was, if you are a tweener and you just don't feel good enough for some or you, don't, or you feel bad enough for the others, do all things for the glory of God and what you will lose is far less than what you will gain in your walk with Christ. As we close tonight, I want to read a quote from Charles Spurgeon that many pastors go to when talking about this text and it says this, a tree has been planted out in the ground Now the source of life to that tree is a root. Whether it has apples or not, the apples would not give it life. But the whole life of the tree will come from its root. But if the tree stands in the orchard, and when the springtime comes, there is no bud, and when the summer comes, there is no leafing and no fruit bearing, but the next year and the next, it stands there without bud or blossom or leaf or fruit, You would say it is dead, and you are correct. It is dead. It's not the leaves that could have made it live, but the absence of the leaves is the proof that it is dead. So too is this with you or me. If we have life, that life must give fruits. If no fruits, work. If faith has a root, but if there's no works, then depend upon that, that we are spiritually dead, it is certainly a correct one. Students, if a tree is continually not growing leaves and not growing fruit, then we would consider it dead. Spurgeon is illustrating that we can all say with our mouths that we love Jesus and we are living for Jesus. We can maybe even quote some scripture for Jesus. We can maybe even explain some scripture. But if your life does not bear fruit in the name of Jesus, then we have to know that our root is not planted in Jesus. Students, don't be fooled tonight. I want you to be honest. Does your life reflect Jesus or does it reflect something else? This is my fear is that many of us think that we're doing life the right way, but our life produces no fruit in Jesus. Ryan Wimpy that day, my sophomore year, exposed a lie that I had been telling myself for so long. Maybe for you tonight, it's the night where your lie is being exposed as well, and you realize that your life doesn't reflect Christ and it needs to. Maybe because you, you, uh, you never truly trusted Christ with your life, or if you were like me, you pushed him so far away in your daily walk and you didn't grow in your relationship with him. Tonight, listen, I want you to look at your life. I want you to evaluate like, how much fruit is going on in your life. And I gave just a couple of options tonight. I gave you just a couple options of works, of repentance and obedience. How many of us in here, we have things in our life that we need to repent from? This is my ask. And I want us to be real tonight. I don't want you to be ashamed tonight. 
I know you have some things you need to repent from and you need to turn from. And I, want to, I beg you to come just line this place up. And I want you to leave them at the feet of Jesus. If you want to pray for it with somebody, come pray with our prayer team here. They're going to be up here. They're going to be in the balcony. Go pray with them if you want to pray with them. But if you also want to just come down here by yourself and lay them at the feet of Jesus, I'm telling you, leave them here. Turn around and guard yourself. Go find yourself some accountability. Go find yourself a friend that can pray with you and do life with you with, and I promise you, your life will be transformed. Students, repentance is giving the control of your life back to God, and obedience is living your life all for the glory of God. Let's pray. Jesus, be with us. Lord, students tonight, I know that they, I know that they want to give you all the glory. I know that they want to live for you. I know that they want to be the person that you have made them to be. I just beg that you give them strength to do that. Let them have courage to step out of their aisle tonight and maybe they need to start a relationship with you and they just need to go to one of the prayer team and say, you know what, I just want to start a relationship with Jesus. Can you help me? Can you explain that to me, what that looks like? I know that many of us in this room, we have some sins that we need to let go of and it's bringing us shame. It's tearing us apart. It's making us feel worthless. And Lord, I beg that they learn from my mistakes. I wasted years of my life trying to cover sin and it never worked. That sin would always come back. That root was still there. I beg that they come tonight, they lay it down at the altar. They lay it down at their seat. They uproot that sin, they leave it at your feet, they turn around and they walk away from it. Let them make that oath tonight. And Lord, this is what, I, what my beg is for you is Pour into them in ways that they never could experience, they never could imagine. Give them just such a, a, a burden lifted off of their, their life. Let them just be able to walk in such power and, and where they never want to turn back to that sin. Lord, be with them tonight. Give them strength. Give them courage. We ask this all in your name. Amen. If you would stand up and let's sing these last